Well, hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to this offering from the North Carolina Study Center podcast. My name is Matt Hain, and you're tuning in right now as part of a broader series we're doing on C.S. Lewis's book, The Abolition of Man. In Abolition of Man, C.S. Lewis is deeply concerned with efforts to call into question and even abolish belief in objective morality in a right and a wrong with a capital R and a capital W. Lewis saw the educational system of his day undermining belief in a universal moral standard. And instead, he saw it forming students to be subjectivists and relativists. If there is no inherited capital T truth for educators to initiate students into, then according to Lewis, there are only the subjective sentiments of the educators untethered to any objective moral code, which the educators then condition students into. Lewis was especially concerned about the coinciding of this subjective turn in education with another trend from his day that alarmed him equally as much, and that was enhanced technological capability and new forms of mastery over nature. So in Lewis's day, scientific advancements had brought forth not only the locomotive and the typewriter and penicillin, but also the machine gun, mustard gas, and soon the atomic bomb. Uh, Lewis had fought in World War I. He knew these things very personally. Ever-enhancing technological capabilities paired with waning belief in objective morality was a horrifying recipe in Lewis's mind. Lewis scholar Michael Ward writes that in chapter 3 of Abolition of Man, Lewis goes into full-on prophetic mode as he paints a dystopic portrait of where he saw these trends heading in the future. He writes in chapter 3, this is Lewis, What we call man's power over nature turns out to be a power exercised by some men over other men with nature as its instrument. Man is as much the patient of this technology as the possessor of this technology. So in other words, Lewis is saying that the power dynamic here isn't simply between all of mankind on the one hand and nature on the other hand, but rather between two different types of human beings, two different classes of human beings, men who conquer nature on the one hand, and other men who are subject to the men who have conquered nature. Not all men have power over nature. Many are subject to others' power wielded through conquered nature. Lewis gives the airplane as an example from his day to illustrate this. In one sense, the invention of the airplane is the remarkable story of man conquering a new domain, uh, the sky, a new realm of nature has been conquered. In another sense, however, the invention of the airplane is the tragic story of one group of men, those with superior air power and bombing capacity, uh, now having the ability to conquer another group of men, those who are subject to the bombings. In this week's Abolition of Man reading group, Uh, we discussed which contemporary technological innovations most clearly fit this bill that Lewis is describing here. To a T, almost everyone in the group pointed towards digital screen technologies as a great example. So I'd like us to take the iPhone as a case study today to see how Lewis's ideas flesh out in our context here. Let, Let this fact sink in for a moment. I had to look this up this week. The first iPhone hit the market in the year 2007. 2007. That is 13 short years ago, merely a breath in the scope of human history. 
And yet in 13 short years, the iPhone, along with other digital screen technologies, have fundamentally reshaped uh, our patterns of communication with one another, the way we relate to other people um, in our day-to-day life, or <laughs> maybe better to say our minute-to-minute life because we're, we're on our phones minute-to-minute. The iPhone is certainly an astounding feat of man's power over nature in one sense. To have access to the internet, to hundreds of contacts that you can call with the button, uh, to maps of anywhere in the world, to a high-quality camera, all in one sleek device, this is remarkable, even though we tend to take it for granted now. This is an amazing example of man's power over nature. However, Lewis's diagnosis, I would argue, also rings true. The iPhone... uh, turns out to be not merely a feat of man's power, all of man's power over nature, but rather uh, it turns out to be a power exercised by some men over other men with nature as its instrument. Alongside the many conveniences that our iPhones deliver, uh, reams of commentators have noted the numerous devastatingly harmful effects that accompany digital screen technology Uh, This is especially the case in teenagers whose minds are still developing, uh, they're impressionable, and they don't always have the maturity to know how to use these devices responsibly. So take just a few examples of this. Uh, Addiction. A 2019 study from Common Sense Media found that the average teenager spends 7 hours and 22 minutes on their phone each day for screen time. And this is purely for entertainment and communication. This does not include schoolwork. Seven hours and 22 minutes, the average daily screen time for a teenager today uh, as of 2019. We are addicted to our phones, especially teenagers. Also, here are rates of pornography. Uh, I didn't look up statistics on this, but I'll speak more anecdotally from my ministry at Chapel Hill. Uh, pornography has long been a struggle, uh, especially for teenage boys and college, college men. Uh, But I can tell you from working in college ministry that the fight against pornography use is more of an uphill battle than ever. Uh, Students now carry this temptation with them constantly. It is at all times in their pockets one click away. And the rates of pornography usage uh, amongst especially men today uh, are more challenging and saddening than ever before. A third instance of the effects of digital phone technologies like iPhones on us Uh, Social media-induced anxiety. Uh, In 2017, The Atlantic published a widely popular cover story titled, Have Smartphones Destroyed a Generation? That article, which was written by San Diego State uh, University psychology professor Gene Twenge, summarized the scientific correlation that links teen mental health with technology and suggests strongly that the answer is yes, iPhones or smartphones have destroyed a generation. The graphs mapping the ubiquity of teen smartphone ownership and rising rates of anxiety and depression over the past decade, these map very closely with one another. When you overlay uh, these two graphs, it's shocking how closely they correspond with one another. It turns out, I would argue, that Lewis's diagnosis in 1943 does ring true of our own day today. Uh, It turns out that we haven't mastered technology delivering us digital screen technologies like the iPhone. Rather, it seems that the inventors and designers of this technology have mastered us through instruments like the iPhone. The power dynamic that Lewis would highlight here is not between mankind collectively and uh, 
nature that delivers us the smartphone. The power dynamic that he would highlight here is between the few CEOs and executives who have uh, led the, who lead these extremely powerful companies and the masses of us, on the other hand, who are addicted to their products and are willing consumers. Consider these things for a moment. Uh, Bill Gates, Bill Gates, designer of Microsoft. So I realize we're jumping off the iPhone here, but Bill Gates, tech entrepreneur, uh, he didn't let his children get smartphones until the age of 14. And he, when he did, he put a strict limit on screen time at home, uh, very strict cap. Likewise, Snapchat CEO Evan Spiegel and his wife, they place a limit on their children of 1.5 hours of screen time per week. Let that sink in. The average teenager, 7 hours and 22 minutes per day, uh, Snapchat CEO and his wife place a limit on their children of 1.5 hours per week of screen time. Uh, according to a 2018 Pew Research study, teenagers use Snapchat more than any other social media platform. It is the most popular as of 2018. Uh, what a disconnect. Most addictive uh, snap, uh, social media technology, but the CEO and designer is the one who most strictly limits his children in their usage of it. Steve Jobs famously created the iPad, but he wouldn't let his own children use it. Uh, he was on to something. And this, it's doubly ironic when you consider the fact that Bill Gates and other tech CEOs, they have fought so persistently to redesign curriculum in schools across the country to be heavily reliant on technology, even while many Silicon Valley schools have been conspicuously absent from this trend. They've opted out, uh, which, which again is suggestive of something. An author of a recent book on this subject writes, it's interesting to think that in a modern public school where kids are being required to use electronic devices like iPads, Steve Jobs' kids would be some of the only kids opted out were his kids still the age of, of uh, school age today. Well, to draw this morning to a conclusion, uh, you may think at this point that I'm proposing we all go, go to our tool shed, grab our hammers, and collectively smash our iPhones and our Apple Watches. That's not what I'm suggesting. Uh, what I am suggesting, though, is that Lewis's warning in Abolition of Man is as relevant for us today as it was in 1943, if not more so. Our context has changed. The, way we've, the ways we're mastering nature today has changed, but the diagnosis rings every bit as true. We need to ask ourselves some hard questions. Uh, do those who design the products we're addicted to, do the Steve Jobs and the Evan Spiegels and the Bill Gates of the world, uh, those who wield unparalleled cultural and economic power, do they live and believe in natural law, in an objective morality, in right and wrong with a capital R and a couple, capital W, in good and bad? That is one question that Lewis would ask of them. If we're going to let them have this much cultural power, um, are, are they using it in a responsible manner? Do they run their companies and their philanthropic foundations accordingly? Um, is there a moral standard or a moral code to which they are seeking to uh, ascribe to? Are we aware of the ways that we, and especially all of our college students and our children, the next generation, are being remade in the habit-forming images of the products that we're often uncritically consuming? I'll close today with a plug for a book for, by Andy Crouch, uh, The TechWise Family. came out a couple of years ago, um, but kind of takes this insight from, from Lewis, you could say, from Abolition of Man, and uh, just writes about ways for us to be responsible in the way we consume these products now. I hope this has given you something to think about today that's interesting. Uh, Lewis has much more. His diagnosis goes much further, and so we're going to continue for the rest of the week and uh, invite you to join us for those going forward. 
Uh, Have a wonderful day and thanks for listening in.